Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello there. My name is Miles Chupp, and I'm just interrupting you as you listen to whatever it is that you actually want to listen to, to tell you about the second series of Middle Please Umpire. Middle Please Umpire is a podcast that I, Miles Chupp, if you weren't concentrating when I first introduced myself only moments ago, that's not a criticism, your thoughts are your own and you must focus them wheresoever you yourself choose, host with Mark Wood, the 95 mile an hour bowling, England playing World Cup winning Northumberland hailing cricket lunatic Mark Wood. It's another series of episodes of the two of us talking about cricket and indeed any other stuff that springs to mind both with each other and also with a succession of frankly illustrious guests. We lift the lid on Mark's life as an international sportsman, basically he spends a lot of time icing himself, and take you on a whistle-stop journey through the windmills of his mind. I, a mere fan, listen agog, giggle excitedly, and try and draw comparisons with my own rather more mundane existence. All episodes of Middle Please Umpire are available right now from your favourite podcast providers. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Marjorie Rothman back in the chair and a good week for Manchester City Football Club. Not the best week, not a great week, but a good week. Uh, we reached the first, for the first time, the final of the Champions League, but we didn't win the Premier League. Not yet, anyway. Um, so, it's been a good week, not the best week. And that goes to my guests as well. Um, some good guests, not the best guests, but some good guests. Welcome to Stato Paul Denby. Hi, Paul. What a welcome. Thank you, Nigel. And welcome to Dave Hodgson. Good afternoon. Hi Dave. And hi, David. To David Blakeney. Hi, David. Hi, Nigel. Listen, let's start with the Champions League. We're in the final of the Champions League. Who would have thought, eh? But, but let's start with the semi-final success um, against PSG. Uh, we, we talked last week about the first leg, but uh, that second leg, people talked about game management. I mean, it was a brilliantly managed game, a brilliant performance. I don't think anybody had a bad game either, did they, Dave? You, you kick us off on this. PSG, second leg at the Etihad, and we're through to the Champions League final. Just sum that up for us, would you? I may be running on slightly less experience than my learned friends on the podcast this evening, but I cannot think of a better team performance from Manchester City in my lifetime. I think the the strategy they had was perfect to deal with the threat that PSG posed. You know, very quick, very technical attackers. The, de- the defence were just marvellous to a man. Um, our work in possession was was brilliant. They didn't, you know, they really struggled to deal with um, deal with some of our attacking players. I just thought everything came together perfectly, perfect selection, perfect strategy, and you know they they really deserved you know over two legs to be there. They play, you know, it's one of the best teams in Europe we were facing. We got them rattled, and that was very visible to see from some of their reactions. But you know what a performance, what a you know what a team. And what wonderful management from Guardiola to, you know, get everything lined up, ready to take full advantage of the opportunity we were given. I mean, it really was that all-round team performance, wasn't it? Stato, really. It was, there was. You can't fault any of them, I don't think. No, I wouldn't fault any of them. And David just summed it up completely. All the players would merit an 8, 9 or 10 out of 10 performance. And I'm only being... I couldn't see who was the 8, to be honest. I'm just saying 
everybody was right at the top of their game. It was a perfect team performance. And although I'm a bit longer in the tooth, as David said, I, I can't remember a better team performance over 90 minutes. Yes, we, our second half against PSG in Paris was brilliant, but that was a whole 90 minutes where Edison didn't have a lot to do. He had a couple of half saves, but Diaz, what a performance, blocking absolutely everything. Some of those headers he, he got in the way and blocks he put in the way. And, and the team, the, the way they felt about it, you could see that the one block that Zinchenko did and the three of them then got in a brief huddle to say, well done, fantastic. And you could see the team effort. Absolutely. It was rather like scoring a goal. And it was really was a great performance. Uh, just hope we do the same on the 29th of May. David, what, what were your reflections after such a brilliant performance? Well, to come on third to answer that question is near impossible now because I, there's not a lot to add to that. It was just the complete performance. And uh, in my lifetime, I don't remember seeing such an unbelievable performance. Um, at the beginning, I don't know if everyone else felt the same. I was a bit worried about that pitch and the uh, the snow left on the pitch. I, I was more confused. Why didn't they wait five minutes and let them clear it first? Because at half time they cleared it and it was much better the pitch. So I was just worried something was gonna someone was gonna slip up. That was my concern. But again, they kept the feet and it was brilliant. So <laughs> I can't really add to it. So so add, add to the final then, David. Let, let's move ourselves forward three weeks, the 29th of May. Uh you might want to comment on where the final might be, because clearly yeah. at the moment it's still meant to be Turkey, but that we know they're in lockdown, um, red listed. Um, and it will be there for lots of reasons, of course. It will be years in the planning, and the UEFA will have handed out lots of manila envelopes to lots of cash in to lots of different people to yeah. make sure they get it there, and all of allegedly, uh, and all of that stuff going on. So, so it might be difficult to move it, but, but circumstances might might move it. We will have to wait and see. But as we go into record this tonight, um, it's still in Turkey. So, so your thoughts against uh, your thoughts about that game, and particularly our opposition, Chelsea. Um, uh, your your thoughts about? I guess you would prefer the the, the other lot, Real Madrid, wouldn't you, rather than Chelsea? Yeah, I think. Well, there's two things. I mean, it's going to be either at Wembley or in Portugal. They're the only two options, and it depends which government will f- at be at be the beck and call of UEFA. There's no doubt UEFA will say these are the you've got to lift these restrictions for all of all of the dignitaries and all the people, and if the government you know, make the exemptions, it'd be at Wembley. And if not, I think it'd be in Portugal. That's my sort of forecast. Um, As far as the game goes, we've all been paranoid that we've had two poor games against Chelsea. I think probably Saturday was sort of a bit self-destruct, really, after that penalty. But um, I would say maybe Pep's... We don't know, do we? Is he playing a game? Because he didn't play any talk any of his normal tactics on Saturday, his formation was not what he would normally play with. We only had one outfield player from the midweek game. So we can all take, oh, we ain't got a clue, yeah, how we're really going to play in the final because if we play like we did against PSG, um, I think we'll give them a much better game. And I think we probably learned more about them than they probably learned about us. I mean, can there be lessons learned, Stato, from a, a game where, literally, as David said, I think nine changes, there was what Edison and Diaz are probably the only two potentially who will play in that final anyway. It was very much our second team. Um, was that a tactical masterclass from Pep, or do you think we've got kind of that situation where we've lost against them twice now, they're a bit of a, bit of a bogey team, and therefore they've got the advantage? How, how do you see it going into the final? Uh, they certainly not got an advantage because there's only, as you said, probably two players in that team that played at the weekend that will play. The team that played in the Cup semi-final, I think De Bruyne started that one. That's where he got injured, so he will probably play. The team that played PSG, more or less, will be the team that plays Chelsea in the final, subject to injuries, etc. Um, I'm not worried about the fact we lost two games to Chelsea in the past three weeks or so because different teams, different occasions... Pep will have them all ready for the game in May, on May 29th, wherever it's going to be played. So, well done, Chelsea. They deserved it on Saturday, just about. Uh, we self-destructed, as David said a few moments ago. But 
that, those games are in the past now. Let's get on with it and um, look forward to the 29th. Can you, Dave, just touch on the 29th for us then? But I'm sticking to your views about Pep's tactics on Saturday against Chelsea of how he lined us up and, and how he selected his side. But just quickly, just your thoughts ahead of the final before you do that. Well, it's going to be completely different to how we've set out against Chelsea the last two times. You kind of get the sense in a lot of ways that those games were almost seen as a little bit inconvenient and there was quite a lot of rotation that came in for those. I think we're talking an entirely different proposition for the final. I think we're seeing the same team we saw against PSG with maybe you know questions around Fernandinho or Rodri. Maybe there's questions about whether Laporte comes in instead of Stones. Yeah, those are the sort of questions you, you could see, but really it's I think a lot of it's picking itself now. So we're talking a very different game. But kind of coming back to Saturday and the tactical, um, some very curious tactical decisions and more to the point, they were the most unpep tactical decisions. You know, it was kind of um, kind of telling when BBC, um, you know, put the formation on the website that they had Aguero at some kind of left wing back and, uh, you know, tried to figure out exactly what what this tactics were and it was quite unclear to begin with um you know if i'm sort of being charitable and you know trying to work out what they were trying you know on one hand you've got you know three center backs at a holding midfielder i think they wanted to keep possession quite deep and then sort of look to you know look to make attacks but the way it kind of ended up happening is the the fullback stuck very wide and you had um sterling and um jesus generally dropping back into midfield a little bit more with torres so you ended up with Probably not our most technical, um, best, you know, certainly not the best passes in that central midfield area, which is usually such a key part of our game. So I suppose, for, you know, if I was looking at that formation, I, I would imagine that its its value would come from the fact that, you know, the, the fullbacks can tuck in and effectively operate as auxiliary central midfielders, or you get the wingers coming back and doing the same thing. But no one really seemed to know exactly how that would work. I think that made our normal possession style quite difficult. I think we particularly missed, you know, the sort of technicians of you know, Gundogan, De Bruyne, you know, the players who are so good at passing, so good in possession. And I think that was, it was a very curious choice for Pep, given A, we were playing Chelsea, and B, his philosophy is so dependent on possession and passing in the centre of the park. And it was very odd to see the players he, him, you know, he was looking to bring into the middle were maybe not the players who best represent Pep's possession philosophy in those positions. So I was quite surprised to see it. But, but that was his second eleven, so so he, he couldn't have the players he would normally having playing those positions. So do you think this was kind of almost done deliberately, Dave? Is that what you're saying then, to kind of well, prepare for the the very fact that we, we we can win the league even without playing again? Of course, we know that. Uh, hopefully, yeah. we can wrap it up at St James's Park again, as we did in '68. Of course, as people have been picking up on uh, at the end of the week on Friday night. So so are you suggesting that maybe Pep kind of did this deliberately to kind of almost have that, give them that false sense of uh, security of beating us twice and or, or not? I'm trying to understand what your point is. My point is he played a very unpep team, a very unpep tactic, unpep tactics. Um, we didn't have the midfield that we would normally have. And maybe he thought, well, it's a good game to try something different. The players I've got are ones who won't play my normal way, the best way. And actually, maybe he doesn't want to give too much away. So maybe there is a bit of a thought process. I mean, we'll never know. But, you know, one day when he writes a book, we might know after the final. But in a way, he couldn't play the way he normally plays anyway with the probably the players he did. And actually, a couple of the players I thought were quite poor and didn't help us. And they're very quick and good. So... And we nearly got away with a win. <laughs> if we got away with the win with that team and that formation, actually it all would have boded well. So it was just a little bit unfortunate it went a bit awry. And we nearly did. Let, let's come on to that then, Stato. You, you can kick us off on this. So Sergio Aguero, um, legend, hero, those those words are banded around because they can't you, you, you can't accuse us of getting it wrong when it talk we talk about Kun Aguero. Um, statue being planned at the moment and all, all of the above um, gets handed the ball. Okay, his penalty record hasn't been fantastic over the last few years, but still, just score it, please. Please, let's just go in 2-0 up. And he does what he did. Um, your thoughts on that then, Stato? I don't know what he was thinking. Uh, I know he's apologised to the City players, the City fans for what he did, 
Quite rightly so. I mean, it was an awful penalty. Why he didn't just do his usual and try and put it in the corner. If he gets saved on those circumstances, that's life. But that Penenka was, A, it was just pathetic. Uh, Mendy, I mean, I think I could have saved that. Um, it was awful. Um, not sure what went through his head, to be quite honest. Um, had we gone in 2-0 up at half time, um, that would have been fantastic because we could have tried to close the game out at that point. Um, but it was just let Chelsea back in the game. The second half they came at us and um, we would have got away with a draw except for them, uh, and again, conceding a 93rd minute goal, which is the second consecutive, not, is it consecutive home game? Leeds was the one where we also conceded an injury time goal. I think that was the one before as well. So we've not got a good record now at one all. We're maybe just trying to go for the win, which is the right thing to do. But at some point, you've just got to say, actually, a draw is not a bad result in these circumstances. And, and that's what we perhaps should have done. But um, that's history now. We'll have to move on. Can I put something on the table that, that I don't think has been mentioned very much? And I, I, my suggestion is that, that Sergio didn't plan to do that when he went to take that penalty. That was not in his head. And what happened was Mendy went quite early. Yes, yes. And I think he changed his mind. And he was then stuck in two months, which is like, look, taking a penalty is the worst thing to do, as we all know from our amateur days. You make up your mind, as you already said, that's when you stick it there. I think he saw him go early and thought there's an opportunity here, changed his mind, was in two minds, and that's why he cocked it up. That's, that's just my view, and I've not, not heard many people say that. Uh, Dave, do, do, do you have a view on that? Could, could that be the situation? I mean, it could. Um, you know, I don't think any of us would say that Aguero, you know, having seen you know, the likes of Balotelli, Yayatori, the real, you know, penalty, you know, some of the best penalty takers we've had who were, you know, just you know, masters at it. You know, Aguero has never kind of seemed to have the same um, single-mindedness with penalties that we see, we've seen from his, you know, finishing from open play, uh, which in many ways makes his scoring stats so much more remarkable. But he, um, I, I, I'm, I can't quite think why you would suddenly do that on a whim. I mean, if, if he sees Mendy's gone early, you put it in the opposite corner, surely. You don't necessarily go for go for that that option. But I think the thing that galled me most about it is if he scores that or if he misses that, he's basically done Chelsea's halftime team talk for them. You know, if you see someone come and give that sort of display of, look at me, you know, I it's almost a little bit of disdain of those sort of penalties, you know, feeling that you could try that against a team. And particularly when he missed it, I'm sure uh, Tuchel just went into the dressing room and said, well, you know, uh, he's he's effectively shown what he thinks of you. Let's go out and show them. You know, I think he gave them a huge amount of motivation by making that decision as he did. And no, I think it was it was not becoming of a player of the character and seniority of Aguero. And he's certainly not the sort of player who I'd have you know, thought would you know, would look for those sort of moments. Uh, David, do you, do you agree with that? Uh, I actually one hundred percent thought what you thought. And I had said to everyone watching that penalty a few times, I said, look, he's gone down. He's seen an opportunity to lob, you know, to, to do that over the keeper and lob it over the keeper. I think the fact is now that keeper's very tall. <laughs> and I don't think, I don't think at the moment, yes, he's got an amazing goal um, the week before and he got a lot of power, but the power in his shots and some of the things he's trying to do, he's not quite there with. I mean, how many shots has he had late recently when he's come on? Just had not a lot of power when he used to have a lot more power in his shot. And I think even with his lobbing, he just doesn't have that finesse. I think he would have scored that three years ago, but I think a mixture of, you know, time, I just don't think he's got it in his legs at the moment. So uh, I just, probably agree on that all right Stato, can you help dave out he's talking about former city penalty takers um and he's missed out a very important one i think he needs a bit of a i'll allow you sort of a a, a 60 second lesson please if you would um <clears throat> on a player he has not mentioned the greatest penalty taker not yaya Torre, not mario balotelli but the great Franny Lee. So you've got 60 seconds. I'm throwing this on you now. And your time starts now, Stato. Is this like just a minute where I can't repeat it other than say Lee one pen yeah. or Lee, yeah. Lee one pen? I think it was 1971-1972 season where he scored 13 consecutive penalties out of 13. And all he ever did 
was take a run-up and absolutely hammer the ball as hard as he could. I think most goalkeepers dived out of the way because he knew that if they got in the way, either their head would be taken off or their hands would end up in the back of the net with the ball. He did it on soaking wet pitches, dry pitches, uh, pitches with very little grass on them, pitches with uh, mud all over the place. He was just the ace penalty taker. And in my day, despite Yaya Torre and Balotelli being brilliant penalty takers, he will forever go down as the best penalty taker I've ever seen. And there's some players today who could learn one a thing or two about how to take a penalty by watching some YouTubes of Francis Lee. Not sure if that was quite a minute, Nigel, but I've run out of stuff to say. Yeah, and you, you literally put the word pictures a few times, but we'll let you off. A great great job, Saka. Thank you for that. Um, <clears throat> can we talk about... if? Dave was sort of suggesting, or David was suggesting that maybe his legs have gone and a bit of a dip in form. Someone who has had a dip in form, and I, I don't really like picking out players particularly, but I think it is relevant, and, and that's Raheem Sterling, who who has come in for some criticism from a number of quarters. So I think it's probably only fair we just touch on that, particularly bearing in mind the, you know, 12 months ago, he was probably one of the first names on the team sheet. And from what we said earlier, it's very likely he won't make the starting lineup now for the Champions League final. So, so um, David, do you want yes. to just sort of kick off on your thoughts on Raheem Sterling for us? Yeah, I, unfortunately, I hate to say, but I've been very concerned about him for several months now. And I was probably one of his earliest critics. The problem is, every part of his game has come apart. That his touch is absolutely dreadful. That every time, either his first touch or his last touch, it just stops him being what he was. Um, he, you know, when he came on against PSG, literally, he was like he, he literally ran and he kept and he fell over. And every time now he does anything, it just doesn't go for him. Yeah, he scored a good goal actually, and actually he did that one thing well. But in general, overall. It's just his touch. He doesn't seem to be able to get around his players anymore. So he's not running in the same way at them. He doesn't seem to be able to cross the ball decently anymore. And he's almost, apart from the odd time, his, his sort of finishing's gone. So every time he goes outside the box to score, it, it just it's just not going his way. And he's obviously a real confidence player, and but everything's against him. And, and it's dangerous now because you've got a player who's not contributing at all. And you you can't have that at the level we're at at the moment in the Champions League final, I'm afraid. So I think maybe the league games are good to give him a bit of confidence, get him, try and get him back. It's a confidence thing, isn't it? As David just says at the end there, it's about confidence, surely. Well, confidence is part of the game, yes. But his, the one thing that, I mean, Dave, I agree totally with what he said, his decision-making as well has been poor. His first touch is diabolical at the moment. His second touch is poor, but his decision-making, when to shoot, maybe we, when we're watching on television, we can't quite see it as well as he can. He's on the pitch. You can see the players in front of him. But the number of times you think, shoot, shoot, hit it now, and he just doesn't. He either looks for a pass, delays his shot, and eventually gets blocked. Um, and he's not getting a bit of luck as well. And maybe he's got a bit of history that referees look at him and think he goes down too easily. But the other day, we could have had a penalty against Chelsea, Dying minutes, I think it was about 88, 89 minutes, I can't remember exactly. He's in the box, running in on goal, and he definitely got a nudge, more than a nudge, in the back and went down. And he's not going to go down unless he feels something. And so he's not getting the luck as well. But often you make your own luck, as we all say. And it's just not, as Dave said, it's not working for him. Anything he tries at the moment, unfortunately, is failing. And he just needs that. Maybe you hope that goal that he scored at the weekend might bring it back to him. But it didn't do very much in the rest of the game in the second half at all, other than when perhaps he should have got a penalty. So very difficult. And I agree, he would not be a natural starter in the Champions League final, all of the players being fit. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct... Something that's less Mr. Bean and more Steve McQueen. Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers. 
yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Dave, thoughts on Raheem Sterling? It's a complicated one because he's yeah he he's he is a great player and has the results to show it but he is not he's certainly compared to a lot of our squad he is not the most blessed technically he was a player who you know we generally look to for his ability to beat a man which is something we maybe were lacking from um, quite a lot of our, our attacking options but you know Mares and Foden this season have shown much greater aptitude on that front um, I, and I think you know I, I think David touched on it really quite well there that he, he you know there's psychologically I've never seen a player more frail you know he we've seen it on occasions where you know he will he will miss the unmissable because you know he's had too much time to think almost and he does seem to you know really operate in those sort of periods of form where he um kind of yeah you know, it's either go it's all going well or it's um or it's all going terribly and I think when you talk about you know a lot of the players we have you know you're Gundogan's De Bruyne's they're much less streaky because they're so technical you know the way we use possession the way um, these things run we're doing lots of sort of frequent actions that you know generally you don't see that same sort of form kick in because we are so possession based and because they're so technically gifted but Sterling does have the x factor when everything's coming together but we're just not seeing it at the moment and you know I can't blame Pep for uh, you know if he does leave him out for final, I, in fact, I'd probably question him if he didn't. Um, and indeed, you know, if rumours are true that there was a bit of a bust up after the PSG game from Sterling, um, I don't think it's necessarily surprising. And, you know, if Real Madrid come in with the sort of figures that are being mooted, I don't necessarily think that um, it will be the worst decision to take that, given some of the options we could get, maybe someone who's a bit more compatible with our style of play. Okay, can I go back to the Premier League and and sort of gauge your levels of frustration? Because City fans will have different views on this, I suspect. Um, And Pep had an opportunity. Let's say he played his best 11. Um, Bearing in mind, Champions League final is three weeks away. He could have played his best 11, uh, blown Chelsea out of the water, knowing they're probably going to make four or five changes, which they did, of course, and just get the League One. And instead of that, you know, we lose, Stratford continue to win, and it just kind of builds that pressure. Um, and it's, you know, it's not, it's not mathematically our title yet, of course, and it would have got to be a complete disaster if we, did, we didn't end up winning it. But I'm just interested in kind of your thoughts, Stato, to start with in terms of where Pep should be pitching it or indeed your levels of frustration as a City fan. Are you completely relaxed as you seem to be sitting back in your, your beautiful leather armchair in your in your beautifully leather-padded study there. Um, are you quite relaxed and saying, we're going to win it at some point, let Pep do his stuff, we trust him? Or is there some, some City fans, certainly on social media, seemed a little bit frustrated at the weekend that we haven't put it to bed? I understand the frustration. I'm as relaxed as you can be. There are seven results that need to happen for us not to win the league, which basically means Stratford winning all four of their remaining games and us not only drawing one of our three and losing the other two. The chances of that happening are about one in 10,000, I think. Our away record at the moment, I think it's 19 consecutive away wins. Pep should play his strongest team on Friday against Newcastle and get the job done. It will be fantastic for those of us old enough to remember winning it at Newcastle in 68. Um, If we don't win it at Newcastle, then we've got the option of winning it at a place we've also won it in more recent past at Brighton the following week. Now, you don't want it to go down to Brighton, to be quite honest. You'd hope that we can get it done at Newcastle, and that's assuming Stretford beat Leicester and Liverpool. If Stretford dropped two points in any one of those games, it's as good as done anyway, because our goal difference is so far superior that they could only match our points, and they're not going to turn that goal difference around in two or three games. So part of me wants them to drop a couple of points en route so that they have a draw with Leicester or Liverpool in the next two games that they've got ahead of us and then we actually cement it by doing what we need to do at Newcastle on Friday night am I worried about the league not a chance and it's not and it's not a le- it's not a leather padded office by the way um no it's just I just saw some chains and stuff as well in the background I'm not quite sure what they are but maybe you can tell us when we're when we're off there um, I will do Blake's yeah thank good man 
uh, Blake's, we, it, uh, I, I'm sure Mrs. Flatter's right. We, we, we're not going to lose it from this, I'm sure. I'm, I'm kind of more interested in terms of your level of frustration because there will be those two extremes, won't there, of the fans like uh, Stato is, who's pretty relaxed, um, and it's going to happen. But others were really quite angry. We, why do we have to kind of drag it out here? Just get the job done. Are, are you kind of, which, camp, which camp are you in? Um, I was only frustrated on Saturday just because we were playing. It was a home game. You know all the fans would have gone outside and probably come to celebrate. It would have been an occasion to win it there and then on Saturday. That's the only bit that frustrated me because I don't want to win it when we're all sitting on our sofas watching United draw or lose a game. It's not quite the same, is it, than seeing the love of those players on the pitch at the end knowing they just won the league. That's the only reason. And I knew then United have got three games which they have to win all three. And there's a chance that they might not win one of them because he has to play a weakened team now because obviously they've screwed themselves up for this week. So you just think if they lose one, then it's all over anyway. Um, Newcastle, yeah, it'd be, be nice to win at Newcastle. Um, but I think there might be a bit more pressure on us if these three games won United this week. But, you know, I'm not worried about it. I, I just want us to win it at the right time. Now, there is one thought process here. The more games we're under pressure, the more we concentrate you just worry that you start to play three or four games when you've wrapped it up. And will the intensity be there before the cup final? Look at Liverpool last year. Once they won it, they completely went off the boil. I mean, we smashed it. It should have been 5-0, shouldn't it, that game? And you just think, actually, they completely lost that momentum. They do all the celebrating that night when they won it. And every other game really was just not. Now, they didn't have a European Cup final like we do. But how does Pep keep them... Which teams does he play? He's got a lot to think about because he's got to keep... So the longer we're competitive, maybe they're better in some ways. But I do think it'll be a full squad. I think he'll play a full squad on Saturday. Um, and maybe Friday, the week, Friday. Friday, uh, Friday, sorry, Friday night, yeah. Um, so, so, Dave, your, your thoughts then ahead of this, Ben? And, and, and David makes a good point. So I suppose it's a two-part question. It's, it's not just the your level of frustration or not. It's how does Pep make sure that he keeps the you know the, the eleven men who are going to play in that final fit, but also match fit as well. Um, and, and that's a difficult balance, isn't it? Sort of resting players and getting that mix right between resting players and uh, and keeping them fit and motivated, as well as getting those over the line for league. It's a difficult balance. Well, he, I mean, he's got to keep some momentum in the squad and you know keep the um you know I, I was hoping that we see that kind of um invigoration um that we have from the PSG game displayed on um on Saturday but I guess that was difficult with the number of changes that was made um you know I, I agree with um, most of what David said there but the one thing I would add is there's also international selection that's going to be weighing on a lot of players minds ahead of the Euros so I think there's going to be quite a few players maybe slightly less for us given quite a lot of them are established in their teams but you know a lot of players are going to want to show that you know they should be going to this tournament you imagine yeah you know, I, I thought that might be a um, a bit of a kick up the backside for Sterling because I don't think his England place is necessarily uh guaranteed um you know and there's a few other players there who might just want to you know make that case a little bit stronger you think about Torres you think about um you know Laporte you know there's a few players who you know might want to play their way back into that contention I think that will help um I do feel like that you know there's going to have to be some level of rotation around this because you know the last thing we want to do is play you know play De Bruyne for every single game and find that you know he's He's fatigued for the final. We do want to keep that sort of freshness there. And of course, Chelsea do have a little bit more to play for than we do at this point. And hopefully we can use that to our relative advantage going, getting ready for the final. But am I frustrated? It was annoying some of the facets as to why we lost and some of the um, more curious aspects of the performance and the tactics. But I don't think this is you know, anything that jeopardises the ultimate things that will make this season a success, which would be... Premier League and Champions League. Stato, how do you see that balance? And, and, and Dave put a very good, another good point in as well. That it's not just the balance of keeping fit and being match fit um, and keeping the momentum going, but it's also, I suppose, the aspect of the Euros as well, like shot window to make sure they have the opportunity as well as and a number of different things at play here. Um, your, your reflections on how Pep might achieve that? 
Well, effectively, for the rest of the season, he's got four games, three league games and a Champions League final. He doesn't care about anything else, and he shouldn't. It's getting the balance right. I think we've got to go strong against Newcastle and get it wrapped up, regardless of what Stretford do in the next couple of games. And then you've got the game against Brighton and the game against Everton. He might want to mix those two teams out. He knows he's pretty certain, I think, of his first 11, give or take the odd position, whether it's Rodrigo Fernandinho, et cetera, et cetera. We know there's a couple of places up for grabs, but I think he knows his best 11. Therefore, he's just going to get the title done and then mix it up for those last couple of games against uh, Brighton away and then Everton at home. Um, maybe give Sergio a run out against Everton at home because hopefully there'll be some fans there as well. And the match won't matter because we'll have the league wrapped up. And that's it. He's got to keep the momentum going. He's got to keep players on their toes. I think it's different with what happened with Liverpool last season because they didn't have anything else to play for once they'd wrapped the league up. We've still got the Champions League final to to play for. Therefore, Pep will be making sure he keeps those players right on the edge and their fitness and everything else um, at the top of their game. So I'm not too concerned. I'll leave it to our great manager to sort out what he thinks is the best for us because in Pep, I trust and I know Blake's does as well on, on those things. Um, I, I do. Blake, yeah. Just, just, yeah. Yeah, good. Just looking forward then to Newcastle. Yeah. Um, I, I want to just we'll touch on before we go on, on the team for the for the final as well, just for, to keep that momentum going. But for the Newcastle game, are, are we going literally full strength, are we then? Is if you had to predict now what sort of team he's going to put out there, is this kind of the Champions League 11 pretty much? Is that what he's going to go for? Oh, yeah. And I get think... through I see maybe giving De Bruyne a bit more of a rest. He, to, out of all the team midweek, he looked the, the most knackered. And he has alluded in his interviews, he is a bit knackered at the moment. So I can see maybe De Bruyne having a bit of a rest. Um, I think he'll play most of it, maybe 80% of the team. I think um, he'll want to give him a proper run. I think he'll want to get it wrapped up as well. And that's another incentive. Um they're playing reasonably well, Newcastle, but obviously it's a ground we like playing at, isn't it? Although not been great the last couple of years, I don't think there. But in general, I think that's what will happen. Um, the one other player I'm slightly concerned about is Rodri has been brilliant this season, but the last couple of games, just the odd little thing in him is looking a bit slow. And I don't know whether he's tired or what, but um, it did concern me the Chelsea game for him. That's my only concern at the moment. Uh, David, so team for Newcastle then. I'm, I'm going the, the, the first 11. David's chucked in that maybe KDB gets a rest and, and question about Rodri. Your thoughts on that team? Yeah, I think it's probably going to be very similar to um, similar to PSG. I think um, Fernandinho may get the nod there um, ahead of Rodri, just to give him that bit of rest. Uh, you know, he's not a player who's blessed with pace to begin with, and when he looks leggy, it is slightly more noticeable. Um, you know, I think there is a there is a case to give De Bruyne a bit more of a, a bit more of a rest, and you know maybe that means we play with Aguero as an orthodox striker just to um, you know give him you know, a bit more of a send off. And again, you know, I I always think Newcastle's defence do look a little bit suspect at times, and you know maybe having sort of some of Aguero's um, presence and experience will help. I don't think he you know I think he is looking a bit leggy, but you know it's a it's a chance to do that. But Newcastle are a very very strange team at the moment where probably on paper you'd say they've got one of the weakest squads in the league um they get some remarkable results you know they were fantastic against uh, Leicester earlier this week um and you know it, it's they're one of those teams who probably now they're safe shouldn't be a shouldn't give us too much uh, too much bother but they can just throw something out a little bit strange and I'm always a little bit scared of a uh, Sam Maximan who's full of pace and running and all the things that usually can be our, our downfall. So I don't think it's going to be an easy game. I think we're probably going to go full strength into it. And if we do that, we really should be uh, should be getting the result. Full strength, Sato? I would play De Bruyne on Friday. He didn't play at the weekend. Uh, he ostensibly had a knock or he wasn't quite 100%. But you, he didn't. he's not played a game there for. If he's fit, he's not played since PSG game. That's nine, 10 days between PSG and Newcastle. So I would play him. Uh, assuming it's fit, I would pretty much, if I was, not that I ever would be, in Pep's shoes, I'd play the strongest 11 we've got available on um, on Friday as a preparation and say, look, guys, if you do what you can do, we win the game, 
then I can uh, alternate you a little bit in the next two games, but I'm pretty certain that you'll be the starting 11 in the final. So let's look at the final then, finally. Uh, Dave, if I kind of kick off for you, and let, let's start as a, as, a, as a working assumption that the the team that played it over the two legs was, was pretty similar. Um, and I guess there's just probably two question marks. Is it, you know, Rodri stroke Fernandinho? Who would you go for? And I guess the other one is what, Cancelo or Sinchenko? Is that the other change that we saw as well? Just trying to get, check my my memory here that that was right as well. So of, of those, which which way would you go decision-wise and selection-wise? Or and would you make any other changes? So I know this is two or three weeks away, but let's get ourselves excited and in the mood, uh, knowing we're going to win at Newcastle on Friday night. I think Fernandinho, um, you know, probably just about edges it at the moment. You know, there's always been that little question of, is he going to do something rash? Are his legs gone, etc.? But he's showing no sign of, um, of slowing down. I think he gives us this level of leadership, and I think we could see that from the way the defence were organising. So I'd be, I'd be going with Fernandinho. Um, I also think Zinchenko is just uh, really on form at the moment. He's He gives us some real defensive security. I think that does make life a little bit easier than um, when we started Cancelo, largely because, you know, let's assume Stones and Diaz do start at centre-back. We will be playing an entire back line of right-footed players. And I think there is um, a little bit of balance that's given when Zinchenko is playing in that position. I, I would also say I'm not entirely sure that yeah, I, I would imagine it will be Stones and Diaz at the back. I do think um, Laporte looks increasingly hard done by on that because I think he's looked very good when he's played and arguably is a more... Yeah, I, I think he is a better defender than John Stones, but he doesn't have that, that partnership that's uh, with Diaz that's done so well. So I would, I would stick with Stones and Diaz, personally. Your thoughts looking ahead to the final in terms of that amazing eleven who will go down in history as... European champions for Manchester City for the first time. Which which eleven are you going for? Um, I'm going to go definitely Stones at the back. I will definitely go with Zinchenko. I think he is. I've said it for several weeks now. I think he's a good steady player. He costs us one and a half million. So <laughs> that's quite remarkable, isn't it? And I I, I like him a lot. Um, Although I didn't like his temperament the other day, I, I know he got kicked, but um, he 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 needs to cool down a bit. That that was a bit worrying. Um, but but didn't I, Fernandinho do, didn't Fernandinho do a good job? He seemed to really take control and enjoyed his leadership. He, yeah. Took him on one side was he clearly yeah. took a bit of calming down as well. But you've got to give credit, I think, to Fernandinho. In that Fernandinho he did a, a very mature good, level head. Yeah, he needed that because that was a bit worrying. Um, without. I, I, I think at the moment I'm going with Fernandino as opposed to um, Rodri. Um, I think it's such a quick tempo game it's going to be that maybe he he might be better. Um, the rest of the team, I think Stones will be... Stones and Zinchenko are going to be invaluable. That Those two... Because where they've really got to us is on those wings. And I think, you know, they haven't been up against Stones, have they? And they've hardly played against Zinni. So I think that might help us. So that's how I see the team. Uh, Stato, Paul, have they, have they picked, have they picked the team for us here? Do you have any, any adjustments to that? I think we'll start with um, Walker in goal. Um, he's, uh, <laughs> he's proven his capability there. I think we'll, we'll have um, Torres in right back. No, uh, seriously. Um, no, the, the guys have said what's going to happen. I'm pretty, I, I agree. I think the, the first 11 now picks itself uh, and it's going to be uh, the, the back four will be Walker, Stones, Diaz, and Zinchenko. I'm pretty certain of that. The midfield will have it, the only issue, as we keep, keep saying, is Rodri or Fernandinho. I'm going with Fernandinho because at the moment he's a player in form. Rodri's a little bit out of sorts at the moment. Uh, and then you've got uh, you have Gundogan, De Bruyne in there as well. And then you've got Foden, Mares, and Bernardo uh, there as well. So uh, obviously. Fluid um, midfield and an attacking lineup, but um, that's the way he's going to play it. I'm, I'll, I'll be amazed if it's anything different if they're all fit. The, the only thing I just throw into the mix is, of course, he has been using Cancelo in a, in a slightly different role, hasn't he? He's been on the team sheet as a fullback, but never plays there. That gives him kind of a slightly different option. 
Um, and he's done that in a few games. Okay, not recently, but he has done that. So I just, I don't disagree with you. I'm just going to put it on the table as a discussion point. Mm. Uh, Dave, any thoughts on that? Is that going to happen or, or not? Because he tried that and we've moved on. I don't think now is the time to make that uh, make that change purely because, you know, the one player you absolutely, you know, we, we've barely mentioned him tonight, but has been so key to so much what we've done is Kyle Walker. I don't see them changing changing him at right back. I think Zinchenko offers greater defensive security than Cancelo, um, particularly, you know, um, given that, you know, he's um, you know, is, is a sort of natural left footed option. Um I, I I could see Cancelo feeling a little bit aggrieved, given that he has looked very good on occasions this season. But I think he's he's more a player we could look to bring on if we want to change our shape, change the way we approach the game. But I certainly wouldn't be um, wouldn't be wanting to jeopardise the defensive shape to bring him in. Okay, and so at the end of this season, go on, Dave. I was just going to say, um, I don't think Cancelo's actually on form at the moment, and I think he's a risk. But I'll tell you what I would love to see, if need be. With all that type of team, with Aguero coming on with 10 minutes to go, if we need him, I think could be very interesting. Because I do think him playing in that team that played PSG, we did need someone sometimes who was there looking for those some of those crosses and those loose balls. That would be quite fitting, wouldn't it, if we he scored right near the end. And, you know, I mean, let's face it, against Chelsea, against Newcastle, if he does play, he could get the record. I desperately want to see him get the record. Most goals for one club and beat Rooney's record. But, yeah, wouldn't that be a bit of drama, wouldn't it? Aguero no, right at the end. He has had a bit of drama at the end of the Premier League season, to be fair. So maybe we'll oh, have two could you imagine? <laughs> could you imagine if he finishes his career with that magic moment? That would be everyone's dream, wasn't it? Either that or Foden scoring the winner. <laughs> I don't mind. I don't care if scuffed sort of from a corner and it just rolls over the line. Oh, yeah. I don't care, David. Um, I really don't mind how it goes in as long as we win it. So, so at the end of the season, finally... Um, it, it, it could be that we end up with the Carabao Cup again, uh, with the Premier League again, um, and the Champions League for the first time in our history. And someone that has to take most of the credit for that is our amazing manager, Pep Guardiola. I just want to just spend a, a few minutes, and we've talked about players, we've mentioned them in passing, of course, but just reflect for a moment. And I know uh, Stato and, and, and David in particular will remember the great, combination of Joe Mercer and Malcolm Allison who up until this point every time you have any conversation will say are, are our greatest manager or the greatest sort of management team in our history um, end of season like that and Pep Guardiola absolutely have to take that crown doesn't he and well deserved I mean, what, what a change he's made to English football not just our team but the success he's had at different clubs um, is just quite phenomenal and, and I just want to sort of finish off maybe with a a bit of some thoughts and reflections on him as a manager, what he's done, how he does it. Um, yes, he's of course, he's working with great players week in, week out. Of course he is. Um, but there's great players in lots of clubs across the whole country. And uh, if that were to happen, then he has to go down in, in, as probably the greatest. Um, and, and that doesn't come easily. Um, so I don't know. It's a, it's a big question. Um, David Blakeney, come on. Yeah. I've known you longer than all of this lot. So that's the only yeah. reason I picked you. Know each other since we were kids. Come on, we have indeed. So come on, mate. Well, the best. Yeah, he goes down as the best, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, let's face it. He succeeded with three teams. If he wins Champions League, he would have done it with two teams. He's transformed English football, transformed, transformed European football, probably transformed world football. Um, He has, when everyone thought. He didn't know his plan B or his plan C. He's all, he, he's got all those plans there now. He's just shown his comeback this season. I think what is what makes him remarkable in such a difficult season with that many games to come back from where we were. We would never in a million years thought we'd be where we are. Uh, and he also the way he everyone loves his football. Everybody wants to watch his football. And when we talk about money and what does frustrate me, if you give a ton of money to a fund manager, you can say every fund manager, because they give money, they can make money, but they don't. 
And it's the same in football. You can give a manager loads of money. It doesn't mean he's going to get the best side out of it. And that's been shown. Look at PSG's had the money. So I just think he is an absolute genius. And to me, probably if we win this, he, he could get the accolade, in my opinion, as the best ever manager. What about you, Dave? You, you, you're only old enough to remember two managers, I think. Anyway, you're only, you're only twelve, so, so it's probably <laughs> difficult to look, look, look too far back, I guess. But, but your thoughts on Pep? Well, look, I mean, you know, it's he, he's he's a sensation, and I think you know what one of the things that's most to his credit is, you know, he's learnt the lessons of last season. He's bought, you know, managed to get a team playing again with real intensity. Um, you know, we've, we've seemed to, you know, step up a gear from last year. Um, we seem to be that little bit more um, assertive out, outside of possession. Um, the signing of Diaz has been a masterstroke, you know, how well he's found a player who can come in, lead the defence, is a, you know, Rolls-Royce ball-playing defender, but also has the grit to make those sort of blocks. He's got the key signing absolutely right. And he's also, you know, benefited massively from a player that he's developed, a homegrown um, a homegrown lad who, of course, the whole, you know, all the youth stuff deserve all the plaudits of how well Guardiola has managed Foden, how well he's, you know, brought him through, given him the right amount of game time, really uh, in, enabled him to sort of deliver the performances he's done. Guardiola has got so many little decisions and big decisions right. And I think, you know, that, the, the the style of football and the way he's um you know he's got how he's got us towards the end of this season is just a sign of quite how remarkable that man is and the, the plans that he's laid and how well they've all come together. Amazing, thank you. The final word is yours, Gato Paul Denby, Pep Guardiola. Pep Guardiola, to my mind, is already the best Manchester City manager, and I did live live through Mercer and Allison's days. They were fantastic as well back in the sixties, early seventies. But Pep has exceeded what they achieved. Um, if we win the Champions League on May the 29th, then I dare say he's getting close, if not already there, as being the best manager in the world um, from what he's achieved at different clubs, um, the style of play he's introduced, playing out from the back, which now you see other teams are now trying to copy, some to a good degree of success, others less so. But he's changed football for the better in terms of the way teams try to approach the game. And it's all about trying to play football, not just hoofing the ball up. The one thing I can't understand, a minor digression, maybe somebody can just answer this as we wrap up, is why from the kickoff do we pass the ball back to Laporte and he hoofs it to the wing? I still don't understand that, but maybe that's a, 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 a question for another day and we can all think about it. But uh, Pep Guardiola, best manager for City and bordering on the best manager in the world. And I take back what I said at the start. This is the best podcast group of guests I could possibly wish for. And they are, of course, thanks to David Blakeney, to Paul Denver, and to Dave Hodgson. This is Nigel Rothman saying thanks for listening. And we'll talk to you all soon. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit Playback Media. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.